Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning, good morning. morning. Let's give God praise for our worship team leading us. Give God praise. It's all right. Man. Thankful to those guys from Liberty. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for leading us into the presence of the Lord together to worship him. Well, we're here again talking about one what? One family. And we are all one family here. But we talked about last night, we are a part of a bigger family. Not only of folks back home, but of all the people that God has called to be a part of his family. He's called them to himself through Jesus Christ. And not only that, he's called us to live in such a way that we live out before all the world what it means to be a part of God's family. And then we are inviting others, your family, your friends, all the people around us, we are inviting them to be a part of this incredible family. Now, last night we started off talking about the prophet Hosea. Oops. There we go. And you guys remember his story. God called him to do something very wild, to go and marry a woman who he knew in advance was going to be unfaithful to him. And God had him do that as an illustration to demonstrate before the people of God that this is what you all are doing with me. I am the one who loves you, who has freed you, who has committed my life to you, committed myself to you even though I know you're going to be unfaithful to me. And so we're going to get into Hosea's story a little bit today. The theme that we're calling today in in terms of this talk this morning is you returned. Because we're going to see that Hosea's wife, Gomer, returned to a lot of the things that she had left before. And that was an illustration of what the people of God had done. God had called them to himself. And you guys remember, we said, what's the first commandment? You shall what? Have no other gods before me. But very quickly, he saw that they returned to the gods that they had before. And so we're going to get into that a little bit in this message this morning. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we are so grateful for the time that you give us to look in your word. Lord, we're we're coming in confidence because you promise in your word that just as the rain and the snow, as they fall, and they, they accomplish the purpose for which you sent it, so also your word does the same thing. It accomplishes that purpose for which you sent it. And so we thank you in advance for what you will accomplish through your word being showered upon your people in this time. And we want to give you all the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many of you guys like going to the dentist? Isn't that fun? That's great. Well, listen, I have to tell you. Oh, let me back up. I have to tell you about a toothache story. Anybody have toothache stories? Um, When I was 17 years old, I played basketball in high school, and I remember um, I got elbowed by somebody else that had the ball, and they hit me in my mouth, and it hit me so hard that it it broke off one of my teeth. And so what I did, right, being a tough guy, like some of you tough guys in here, right, I just spit out the tooth and the blood and then went back and finished playing, right, because that's what you do when you're tough and kind of dumb but that's what I did. And, um, and so I want to fast forward. That's when I was 17, okay? A few uh, in the summer when I was 
25. So how many years is that? 17 to 25? Eight years. So I had not been to the dentist in eight years. I do not recommend that, all right? That's not a good idea. So one morning when I'm 25 years old, I wake up and I have this terrible toothache. And so I, I take some Tylenol and I, and I, take, I actually take some ice and put it on it. And that, and that helps it subside a little bit. Um, but then, you know, the next day I woke up and it was worse. And then my face was starting to swell a little bit on that side. So I got more Tylenol and more ice and all those things. And, and I tried to rest and, and maybe hoping that would make it feel better. But then on the third day, it was worse. The pain was worse. And there was a big knot on my face. Like I look like the elephant man. I don't you know, have ever seen that. And so I tried again. I got Tylenol and ice, but I, I figured that didn't help at all. And so I need to go and see the dentist. I needed to go and see a professional. And what I found out was that I actually had an abscess tooth. So what happened, that tooth that had broken off back when I was 17, it ended up getting infected. And that's the kind of thing that if you don't treat that, that poison from the infection can get in your bloodstream, and you can actually, you can die from that. But I had this abscess tooth, and, and how did I try to treat the pain? Right, I got ice, I got Tylenol, and that helped the pain a little bit. But that didn't deal with, with what was going on in my mouth. And so I had to go to a professional to be able to deal, to treat my problem at the very root and take it out because I didn't have the power and the expertise to be able to do it myself. And if I didn't, I was going to die. But thankfully, I, went, I put myself in the hands of someone who happened to be a friend, Dr. Fielding, and, uh, back in, in Hunt Valley. And he helped me, and he took it out, and they healed the infection, and it was wonderful. But I share that with you to share. It's an illustration that as we look around in our world, there's a lot of broken things. We've talked about that a little bit last night and, and a little bit um, Today, as we look in our own communities where we came from, right, we can see there's a lot of things there that are not right, right? A lot of things that are broken. We can look in our own school, right? And if we're really honest, we can look in our own families and see that there's some things that are not right. We can look even more deeply. We can look in our own lives. We can look at ourselves and say, you know what, things are not the way they're supposed to be. And there are a lot of things that we can look to to try and treat the problem, right? We can say, well, if I only have this, if I only have this, if I have this, then that will make it feel better. That'll make me feel less broken. That'll make our world appear less broken. But oftentimes, it's a lot like taking Tylenol and ice and trying to treat an infection, doing it that way. Because what's at the heart of our broken world goes a lot deeper than that. And it's got to be treated in order for us to be healed and live the way that God has called us to live. There's an author um, named G.K. Chesterton who uh, wrote this article, What's Wrong with the World? And actually where it started was there was an editorial in a newspaper. And the editor wrote out and he said, what's wrong with the world? And then you fill in the blank. right? And so you can imagine what people did. He wanted them to write in and say, what's wrong with the world? And so people would write letters to the editor. They'd say, what's wrong with the world is politics. Or they'd say, it's a, it's a particular political party. Or what's wrong with the world, it's older people. No, it's younger people. It's people in the city. It's people in the suburbs. It's people in the country. What's wrong with the world is, is somebody else. 
Well, the author, he took a stab at it himself. And he simply wrote, the problem with the world is me. What was he saying? He was saying that at the root, there's a problem inside me that has to be dealt with. And what he was talking about, it's not, it wasn't popular then, it's not popular now, but he was talking about the thing that we call sin. Us rebelling against God and saying, God, you know what? I think I know how to live life better. Even though you made it and, and all that stuff, that's wonderful. But I think I can figure out how to live it better than you can. And the reason that we have a broken world at the very heart is you have people who decide to live life the way that they want to live instead of the, the way that God designed us to live. One more way to illustrate that, I heard a story of a, a bridge that was out. There was a bridge that went over that picture before, but there was a storm that had knocked the bridge out. Well, anyway, there was a car that came speeding towards the bridge, and, uh, and when it, it got just before, and so it's rainy, it's hard to see, but it, it got just close enough to, to stop and put on the brakes and see, wait a minute, you know what, there's a bridge out. If I go over the bridge, I'm going to go into the water. And so he says, I'm going to call somebody to come and, and figure this out and fix it so nobody will, will get hurt. And so anyway, before the authorities can get there to, to block everything off, there's another car that comes rushing towards the bridge. And the guy gets out of his car and gets in front and says, stop, stop, stop. And the, and the car screeches and goes, what are you talking about? And he said, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. And the guy says, oh, man, thank you, thank you. And so he gets out, and, and so they're waiting for the authorities to come. But then before they can come to block off the bridge, there's one more car that comes. And so the two guys together are like, oh, no, they're going to go over the bridge. And so they start to wave. They're waving together, and this car won't stop. It's honking and honking, and they're like, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't go over the bridge. And finally, he almost runs the two guys over, and they jump out of the way. And what happens is the guy goes and goes over the bridge. And just before he goes over, before he realizes that it's a washed out bridge, you know what he does to the two guys that were trying to stop him? Is he rolls down his window and he sticks out his hand and extends his middle finger to them. And then he plunges into the water. That's a picture of what we do to God. That's a picture of what we see in Hosea. That's a picture of what we see with the Israelites that Hosea was preaching to. And that's a picture of our world. And honestly, it's a picture of us. God is saying, listen, don't go this way. Stop. I know the way to life. And we say, I'm going to go my own way. Sometimes even to our own death and detriment. How does the Bible describe that? This is from Isaiah 53. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the second part of that verse says, the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. We're going to talk about that tonight. But before we get to, to that part tonight, I want to talk about the first part. And that is us deciding to go our own way. God has said, I'm going to bring you into my family and I want you to show the world what it's like to be in my family and what I'm like. And I want you to invite them into my family. But we say, I'm going to go my own way. 
And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that in my own life. Before I was um, converted to Christ, I told you about that trip that I went on when I was 17. I decided, you know, the way to life is through being good at sports. It's through knowing lots of girls. It's through being known by people and, and, and having a lot of approval. Those are the things that I look to to find life. But those things cannot save us. Those things cannot carry life. That's taking good things that God has given and making them the ultimate thing. That's putting other gods before him. And that's what I was doing with my life. And then even now, like living as a guy that's much older, that's walking with Christ still, that's a battle. And it's a struggle. Wanting to go my own way. I don't know if any of you guys ever experienced that. Even though I know already that God's way is the best way. Well, why do we do that? It's because of that thing in us that we battle with called sin. And who is guilty of that? Who has sin inside of them? Is it just those people over there? Is it just the people back in his time? Well, what the Bible says here is all. Who's included in all? Everybody, all of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God, And so everybody has this problem. Everybody has this thing that gets in the way of us becoming one family. And we can try lots of different ways in our own strength to be able to treat that, but we don't have the power in and of ourselves to be able to do it. We need help from somebody else. And so one of the ways that God was illustrating that is through our friend that we've been studying, Hosea. Now, I told you last night, we looked at the beginning of that where God called him to go marry a woman of unfaithfulness. And so I want you to see what happened. We saw last night how Hosea obeyed God, and he married Gomer, and they actually had a son together. It tells you that in Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. But then when we come to this verse in Hosea 1, this is verse 6. It says, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Now, the narrator doesn't come right out and say this, but he writes that a little differently than what happened with Hosea's first child, or with their first child. Because with the first child, it says that she conceived and Hosea had a son. But here it doesn't say that. Why not? What the narrator is implying is that Gomer is pregnant, but this is not Hosea's son. It's a son of unfaithfulness. We'll see this in a second. But then he says, I want you to call her Lo-Rahuma. And he tells you what that means. It means not love. And here's what God says. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. God is saying this is an object lesson in your life, Hosea. The message to God's people is this is how they have treated me. Even though I've loved them and I've brought them into my family, they have continued to return to their old ways. They have been unfaithful to me, and I want that to be illustrated with your child. Well, then there's a second, a third child, rather. And it says, after she had weaned Lurahama, Gomer had another son. And then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. So the first one's name is not loved. The second one's, second one's name is not my people. 
Why? For you are not my people, he says, and you and I am not your God. Now, if you read on in chapter 2, it tells you a little bit more about what was going on behind the scenes. It says, their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them, those children, in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. God is saying, listen, I am the one who really gave you those things, people of God. But you are going after the idols and you're saying, that's where I really find life. It's not from God. It's from those things. And so Hosea and Gomer's marriage was illustrating that. But that was illustrating something a whole lot deeper. That that's what God's people were doing. The people that God had called to be in one family were instead returning to the idols that they had left before and saying, those are my gods. Those are the ones who really provide for me. Those are the things in which life is really found. Now, that's the Old Testament version from Hosea. I want to the other thing I want to do in this time that we have left is look at a New Testament example. And it's in a story that Jesus told. Some of you have heard this. And it's in the Luke chapter 15. Oh, before I get to that, I forgot this. In Romans chapter 6, the first part of that says the wages of sin. What's a wage? Right? That's something when you have a job, right? And then, then you get paid, right? It's something that you earn. Well, what does it say here the wages of sin is? Death. That's what we earn. That's what we deserve through our sin. And so something's got to happen. We need God to do something because we can't do anything about that. And God did do something. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. But again, before we get to that, I want us to understand how serious a condition that is. And how serious the consequences of that condition are. Now there's some good news that's coming. And this is back in Hosea. This is in, at the end of chapter 1. Yet the Israelites, who Gomer's representing, they will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you're not my people. You remember they said, call one of your sons not my people. They will be called children of the living God. And then the, the people of Judah, the people of Israel will come together. They'll appoint one leader and will come up out of the land. For great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved ones. And so God is saying, I'm going to reverse this whole situation. But I want you to understand how serious it is and honestly how much you need me in order to have this one family. Now, the New Testament example. Jesus is telling a story. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Now, do you guys know how this works? Like, usually when, when does a son get the estate of the father? When they die, right? But what is this guy saying? He's saying, I don't want to wait that long. I wish you were dead now. In essence, he's saying, but you're not yet. But give me my stuff now so I can leave. Can you imagine that? Imagine that you were a father 
and one of your sons comes to you and says that. But here the father says, all right, here you go. You can, you can take it. You, he must be heartbroken. He might be angry. He might be hurt. All these things. He might say, all the love I've shown you, you're a part of my family. But the son says, I don't want to be a part of that family anymore. I want to do my own thing. And so he leaves the father and goes away. Well, then it says he got his money. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country. In other words, he's trying to get as far away from the influence of the father as possible. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. He had a great time for a while. He spent all of his money. He parted it up. He had a wonderful time. It was awesome. And you know, when you have a lot of money, you also have a lot of friends. But what happens when the money runs out? Well, let's see what happened. It said after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. So you, you guys know what that is. That means there's, there's no what? There's no food. And so he spent all of his money on the one hand. That's his fault. And then there's other stuff that happens that out, that's outside of his control. There's a famine, so there's no food there. And so here's, what, here's how desperate he gets. It says, so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to his fields to feed pigs. That was the lowest job you could have in that culture. They looked at pigs as these unclean animals. And so he's so desperate. He's lost everything. He's left the father's house. He's lost his family. He's so desperate that now he's hired himself out. Think of where he's come from. He's a son, a beloved son, in his father's house. And now, guess where he is? There's one part I didn't read there. Back at the end of the verse, it says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. Have you ever been hungry before? Have you ever been hungry enough that you wanted to eat pig food? That's how hungry he was. And yet nobody gave him anything. That's the depths to which he'd sunk. Because he wanted to go his own way. His father had brought him into a family, but he said, I can do it better myself. And that's a picture of what happened with Hosea's wife. And that's a picture of what happened with the people that Hosea was preaching to. And that's a picture of what happens in our own world. And honestly, it's a picture of what can happen with us. We return. What about you? What's going on in your own life? Maybe you've come this weekend and you came on this trip and maybe you're at a place in your life where you're just may maybe now beginning to think about these things of faith, about knowing God. Well, this is incredibly important for you to understand. This is the truth of where we are apart from God. And it shows how desperately we need him, how desperately we need his son, Jesus Christ, to be a part of of his family, and we're going to talk about that tonight. But maybe you're here and you know God already. But you also know this brokenness. You know what it feels like to return 
to the things that you left. Well, guess where our hope is found? It's in the very same place. And we'll talk about that tonight, but I want us to understand that and think about it so that we can appreciate the good news when we talk about it more tonight. Now, there's one last thing that I want to do. And how many of you guys have heard of a, um, a Christian hip-hop artist named Trip Lee? Have you heard, you heard him? Well, you can, you can look him up or look up some of his stuff on YouTube. But I wanted to play, um, this is just about a two-minute clip of him just kind of reflecting on, on some of the things that we've been talking about so far this morning. And so I'm going to go ahead and play that now. Every one of us has a story, but we don't get to the side how it goes. When we gasp for that first breath, our stories have already begun. Before the foundation of the world, God Taylor made each of us our own unique set of circumstances. And he not only comes up with the setting for each of our stories, he orchestrates them all the way through to the last chapter. And though while our stories are different, there's some things that we all hold in common. For me, I remember coming up in Dallas with a nice family, nice school, nice neighborhood. And I lived under the false premise that it was all good. But as I got older, that illusion began to fade away. I noticed that even in the nicest families, conflict was not only inevitable, but it was common. I noticed that everyone didn't have everything they needed like my family did. I noticed that I did stuff that I shouldn't have done all the time. And I noticed that even in the simplest of everyday tasks, it was hard. And it felt like something was working against me. In short, I noticed that everything in our world was broken. And to be honest, everybody knows that something is wrong. We know that death is unnatural, but it happens. We know that lying is wrong, but we still do it to each other. And we know that we wish things were different. Clearly something's wrong. That's not the question. The question is, what do we do with that information? What went wrong and can it be fixed? How do we navigate life every day in this broken world? Can anything at least fix what's gone wrong inside of us? So you hear him ask those questions or say, everybody knows that there's something wrong in our broken world. It's not supposed to be that way. We see it out outside of us. We see it in our own lives. That's not the question, what, whether this brokenness exists. The question is, what are we going to do with that? Where are we going to go? Is there somebody that can help us? Is there someone that can make things right? Well, we know that there is. But I want us to think about our need for it and how great that that is and the places where we need it. Um, in, our, in our small groups, that's going to be the next thing that we do. Your leaders have some questions that I put up last night. But here's some ones for this morning that you're going to talk about together. What are some of the problems that you see in the world? Right, I named some things, but what about you? What are some things that you see? And where do you think those things come from? Second, where do you see brokenness in your own life? I would encourage you to take advantage of the time that you have here this weekend to be vulnerable and just share some things in your heart that maybe you don't get to talk about other times, talk about that with your leaders and some of the friends that you came with. Where do you see brokenness in your own life? Why do you think this bad news that I talked about this morning is so bad? And then lastly, what good news 
would you like to hear to be able to deal with that bad news? All right? So we're going to, um, are there more questions back there in the back too if they need them? Okay, there are. So guys, what I want you to do now, I'm going to close us in prayer. And then after I'm done, I want you to find your leaders and they're going to tell you where to go for your small groups. All right, everybody got that? Let's, let's pray and we'll close the time. Lord, we thank you um, again for Hosea's story. Lord, uh, how amazing it is that you had him portray in, in tangible ways in real life the dilemma that all of us are in, not only the people in his time, but the people in our time. Lord, his wife returned to the things that she had left, and so had the people of God back then, and so do we now. And so we pray that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would show us the things that are wrong and you can point us in the direction that they might be made right. And Lord, we don't ask this just for our own sake. There's a lot of people back home that desperately need to know what we're talking about. And so we pray that you would minister to our own hearts, but don't let it stay with us. Do so in such a way that we'll share it with people when we go back. So guide us now as we talk. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.